0: The James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews, and more. Hi, I'm James Suckling. Uh, Probably most of you know me as a masterclass instructor, but I'm also a wine critic. That's my day job. So I'm going to take a few questions from um, students. And let's get started.
1: What kind of wine glasses would you recommend for a starter? Are there benefits to these different shapes, or is it worth investing in a more expensive glass?
0: You can find really good glasses at a reasonable price. Uh, I must say that my glasses are not a reasonable price because they're Lalique and they're crystal, so they're really expensive. That's why. And also, they, um, if you break them, you're, go- you're not going to be happy. So, but you can find, I think, um, Riedel's are good, um, you can find, I think if you spend, you know, uh, seven, ten dollars a glass, and there's so many good glasses out there, I don't really, I can't tell you if, um, you know, which ones are best, but there's a lot of good glasses, so definitely get yourself some decent glasses, because I think it pays off. Thanks.
1: Martin is wondering, have you found any tools on the market that preserve the integrity of a wine after opening
0: it? Of course, uh, for me, I think the best tool right now for um, after you open a bottle or or actually not open, but if you want to have a glass and then keep the wine for a while is Mm Coravan. And we use Coravan in my tastings. All the wines, just about all the wines we taste, we Coravan, and that it basically has a needle that goes through the uh, cork, and then you can extract a glass of wine from it. And then the amount of space the uh, wine has taken is put in with an inert gas. And this is really great, and all, what's cool is you can then put the wine away in your cellar or lay it down, and it can last a couple years so it's really useful i also use it at uh, at my wine bar in hong kong and uh, we serve 300 wines by the glass and it works really really well a lot of restaurants use it it's a bit tricky to use i must admit so it takes some practice because i've heard the canisters are like 20 dollars each and if you don't do it right you can go through a canister with just 10 glasses but we get hundred like thirty glasses from it so it takes some practice But Coravan, I found the best. I know there's other systems, but that's the one I use.
1: Pratap asks, with the descriptors of wines being subjective, how do you define a standard or benchmark to define a good wine objectively? Or is it meant to be subjective?
0: Rating wines or quality is always um, subjective. So I think that what's interesting with wines, generally speaking, if you have a group of people in a room, everyone agrees on what's what's excellent wine and what's th- the least good wines. And then it's very gray in between. So I think it's all subjective. And of course you can, I know what you're saying by using subjective terms, but those are only descriptors. They're not necessarily you know black and white on quality. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Um, Sam asks, how do you determine if a wine would benefit if allowed to age longer? In addition, when do you believe, when you do believe there's a benefit to aging longer, how do you determine how much time is required?
0: So when I'm rating wines or deciding on how how long to age a wine, this is normally with reds, but also with whites, particularly things like a white burgundy or German Riesling, wines that have a history for aging you look at some common things on how the wine is constructed. So talking about red wines, you're looking at the balance between alcohol, fruit, and tannins as well as acidity. And uh, with white wines, it's mostly fruit and acidity in some cases, sweetness. If you're talking about fine sweet wines like Sautern, or late harvest wines from Germany or Austria. So I think there's accepted standards for all that. And then through experience, you can say, "Oh, I think this will be better in uh, three or four years because maybe it's a little bit, uh, it, it's a little bit out of balance at the moment, and you want it all to come together as the wine ages. All these, con- all these components in the wine come together in the bottle. So it's really based on experience. It's not something. It's not like a. Uh, there's no formula." I wish there was, but it's through experience. And you have to, just looking at tasting old wines and then remembering what they tasted like when they were young, that's one advantage I have uh, being old now compared to young tasters because they don't have the experience. So I can tell you what the 1982 Lynch Bosch tasted like in 1985 because that's when I started tasting wines professionally. And I can tell you what it tastes like today and then I can extrapolate what it was like then and what it's like now. So that's the upper hand I have is all those, all those years of knowledge and tasting and, and drinking.
1: Uh, Bob is wondering, with climate being such a vital component in raising grapes, how do you see climate change affecting the wine industry?
0: Yeah, climate change is a, is a big problem for all of us despite some people saying there's no issue. And it's something, of course, we, uh, I worry about, and I know my son worries about it, my daughter, because it's a huge issue, particularly for their generation. And it's really changing the way uh, wine is being produced, in the sense it's changing the way uh, grapes are being grown. And there's all sorts of issues, such as shortage of water, sun sunburning. I just read something crazy about that the insect population on the BBC will be decimated in 10 years. I mean, if there's no insects, there's going to be no agriculture. So uh, it's a huge itch- issue, and people, uh, wine producers and vine growers, are adapting to that through different um, ways of viticulture, irrigation, Um, all sorts of other things, organic um, growing methods, biodynamic. I think it's something that the industry is well aware of and actively pursuing. And you can see the extremes. It seems that so many years are so extreme now. You have lots of heat, then cold, then water. Sometimes it's just biblical what's going on. And so um, it's a huge issue that I think... All of us are worried about in our lives and wine makers are worried about it as well but so far they've been able to adapt there's e- we may have to consider using different grape types than were once uh, used in particular areas or there'll be new areas that we never thought about growing wine i don't i don't think in my lifetime it'll be extreme that we're growing um making excellent wines in denmark but um but even it's interesting that Already, there's things that I've noticed, like in Alsace, which is traditionally known for making wonderful white wines, now they're making great Pinot Noir, because the average grow- temperature during the growing season has increased by one degree centigrade, and that's enough to enable them to grow Pinot Noir. Or look at now in su- southern England, they're making very good sparkling wines. So things are changing, and people are adapting, but you know it's all worrying.
1: And for our final question, a fun one, Um, John asks If you're stranded on an island with a corkscrew and a wine glass, what bottle of red and what
0: bottle of white would you want to have with you? Yeah, um, I've been asked this question a number of times, and it changes, you know, daily. A lot of times it's sort of, well, the last really good bottle I had, that would be great. I mean, there's such a huge choice out there, but I guess in the end, I would probably. The red wine I'm sort of classic. The red wine would be something like a, a great barolo from Italy um, and then white wine would probably be a white burgundy so but again, there's so many wonderful wines, and that's a tough question but um, those would I could tell you specific wines, but I, I don't think I'll do that.
1: Um, James, if you're open to it, we've had questions come in throughout, so if you have the time, I'd love to ask two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming in as live questions, so Jack says, James, thank you so much for doing this masterclass. I've absolutely loved it. What are some other resources, I'm thinking podcasts or books, beyond the masterclass that you'd recommend for a beginner?
0: All right, um, well, thanks for taking my class, and I'm glad you've enjoyed it. And um, there were some classic books that I use, like Jancis Robinson's encyclopedia or Hugh Johnson's book. Um, But I honestly haven't read like uh, general resource books for a while. And uh, nowadays it's so easy just to uh, Google stuff. The problem is that a lot of times you're not sure if the source is right. But um, again, I think rather than really study it, you can study some facts Um, There's good things like WSCT uh, out of the UK, which has courses and you can get a diploma or one day even a master of wine. I I did all that in the 80s when I lived in London. But um, the best thing really is to taste wine and just spend, once you like a wine, then find out more about it, check out the... The winery's website talk to other people about it and it's a it's a uh, process all the time i'm still always learning about wine that's why it's so much fun Uh,
1: teddy is wondering do you have any tips for a novice like me on how to approach a restaurant's
0: wine list uh that's a good question i i find it always challenging restaurant wine lists but i sort of i I enjoy enjoy the challenge because i'm always looking for let's say a good value and a good value it can't it's not necessarily the least expensive wine generally it's the wine on the uh on the first or the bottom third of the list in pricing so uh it could be anywhere from like 30 to it depends on the restaurant to like a hundred dollars but looking for really um something that you know that looks familiar and you might be excited about, but also an, an important thing is if you're in a restaurant and they have a good um, wine director, director or a psalm, or just ask, say, well, do you have someone who put together the list because I'd like to talk to them about a recommendation? Don't be afraid to go to the restaurant. Uh, I think that places with good wine lists, they have people that can, uh, that can steer you in the right direction, but also just don't blindly take what they say you should drink. I know at our restaurant, our team always asks, What sort of wine do you like to drink? Uh, what do you normally drink? What? It's all about you as the uh, customer to have the best experience. So just don't blindly take advice, but actually give some guidance to have a great wine experience. Thank you. Thanks for submitting the questions. And also, thanks for all of you out there that have uh, taken the course. Uh, that was really you know part of my life the idea was basically if you came to my place in Tuscany and hung out with me for a few days that would be your master class and I think we succeeded and particularly with the high production value and so far everyone who's taken the course has really enjoyed it and I'm really excited about that so if you haven't taken the course check it out I think um It'll be fun and and you'll learn a lot and it'll empower you to really feel enthusiastic about wine and and not lost or at least a starting point to learn more about wine and understand how much fun it is. Because, you know, I've spent my whole life, I'm 60 now, and uh, wine is really part of my life and it's really enhanced it and it's so much fun to drink great wine and share it with your friends and family. It's a blast. So um, thanks again. Check out my website when you have the chance. There's some good stuff there as well. And um, look forward to speaking to you all again.